Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. This is episode 14 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast, and we're talking to supervising sound editor Danny Pagan today. We're going to learn all about sound in the sound department. Uh, what is it all about? What does it entail? How does it all work? <laughs> and we're going to learn about his uh, relationship with uh, Ron Howard. He's been working with Ron Howard for the past 25 years, started on the feature film Apollo 13. So definitely a lot of cool stuff that we're going to talk about today with supervising sound editor Danny Pagan. You know, I get a lot of questions about sound, so it's great to have an expert here uh, to talk more about it. And some of the things we're going to cover here uh, in this conversation include uh, tips on how to create better temp sound design, uh, some advice uh, for those that are trying to break into the sound department in feature films, how to communicate with the sound department as a picture editor uh, or assistant. And of course, we're going to also hear about Danny's uh, experience uh, working with uh, Ron Howard. So very excited about this episode. Been wanting to do it for a long time. So here we go with episode 14 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with supervising sound editor Danny Pagan. We're talking sound today here with supervising uh, sound editor Danny Pagan. Danny, good to meet you. Good to have you here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you today because uh, I am obsessed with sound. And I know a lot of members of the Hollywood Editing Mentor community are as well. And, you know, it, sound is such a big part of the movie-going experience, right? So we'd like to get some insight into that world of, you know, sound design, sound editing, mixing, just the overall sound department. Okay. Um, you can tell us more about it, obviously, and, 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 and how that, how it, you guys work with editors, right? How, how you can, how that relationship is with editorial um, a lot of questions you, you have about uh, just in general about the sound department but before we get to that uh, can you tell us more about yourself like where you're from how you got started in in, in sound you know kind of just want to hear how um, you began your career okay uh, I'm originally from New York City and uh, went to film school um, fortunately I had a film school in my high school so I started there and uh, I got a few scholarships to go to uh, Buffalo University uh, over the summer uh, to study film. And from there, I went to the School of Visual Arts and uh, got my Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Film Editing. So I started off as a picture editor. And uh, when I started off in the industry, you know, it, it's, I was looking for editing work and, you know, starting off is difficult, you know. So uh, made it to an apprentice, an assistant, and um, it was slow going, you know, and, and I had an opportunity uh, to work in sound. And uh, it was with Ron Howard on Apollo 13. And I just fell in love with it. I took the opportunity, you know, wanted to see and learn 
And um, it, it was, it just was amazing, you know, um, all the aspects and, and um, all the avenues you could take in sound. I mean, you have music, you have Foley, you have ADR, you have sound design, you have sound editing, dialogue editing, and supervision. Uh, so there's a lot to do. And I just found it fascinating. And I stuck with it ever since. Like you mentioned, you work with Ron Howard. You've been, you've been working with him for like 25 years. How'd you get connected with him? How did that relationship start? Uh, it, it was uh, all by chance. You know, um, I was at Tadeo in New York City. And um, the person running Tadeo uh, liked my worth ethic. And he came up to me and asked me, you know, if I wanted to join the team in sound. And I was like, sure, you know, it, it's, and he didn't tell me for who, you know, that, that was like just a bonus, you know, I, I just accepted the job. And then he told me who it was and what it was. And I was just completely blown away. Um, and uh, Chick Ciccolini was the sound supervisor. And, uh, we became best of friends. I became his right hand for many years. I, I was working with Chick just as long as I was working with Ron, but he recently retired. So uh, when he retired, I sort of took over and became Ron Howard's sound supervisor. I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch of cool stories about working with Ron Howard. What has been probably your most memorable experience, uh, say, working on a Ron Howard film? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> I mean, Apollo 13 just because, you know, it's the first uh, uh, large feature film that I've done. And the fact that, you know, it was based on a true story and it had all these visual effects. And it's rare for a film like that to be done at the time, to be done in New York. Usually films like that stay in California, you know, because it's, it's very effects heavy. Um, but uh, because Ron was East Coast based, you know, he wanted to keep it there. And we did a uh, bi-coastal editorial team. So sound effects were still done in California and dialogue was done in New York. And uh, we mixed in New York. So uh, at the end, the sound team for uh, the sound effects came to New York and we mixed it at Tadeo, and it was just an amazing experience. I can't imagine, man. I can't imagine. I mean, those are big films, especially something like Apollo 13. I mean... <laughs> it was huge. We we were on the eighth floor of this building on 54th Street, and when the uh, um, rocket was launched, it shook the entire building, all eight floors. I mean, it, it was just, you know... Amazing. I mean, how is that sound manufactured? I mean, I'm sure there's something like so much goes into that to getting oh, that. Totally. I, I, I mean, the, the, the great thing about sound is you don't have to be literal. You know, um, to have a rocket, you don't need to go out and record a rocket. You know, there are ways of getting uh, uh, the same sound, you know, like in Foley, you know, when, when you hear money, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be money, it could be a piece of paper. Uh, fire doesn't have to be fire. And, and when film started, you know, they used to take dry grass and leaves and, and, you know, you crunch it and that gives the same effect as fire. Uh, as long as uh, the sound fits the picture. I mean, you could use anything. Exactly. I think, you know, that's something that 
I certainly discovered as I started working, you know, in editorial, but, you know, doing a lot more sound design, you t- temp sound design, right? Because it's just temp. We leave it to the professionals to do the, the, the sound. Um, but that is, and that's, you know, something that I realized, and I tell people a lot when they ask me about sound design, especially assistant, it's like, you know, think outside the box. Don't be so literal with sound. Exactly. That's the thing, right? It's like you said, it's like you're looking, thinking about fire, don't necessarily look up in, the, in your library, fire, right? Let me see how, what else can I do to maybe enhance it. Exactly. Right? And, 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 and layer sounds and whatnot, but don't think so literal. I think it's always good to think outside the box. Yes, definitely. And, you know, you guys always uh, give us a great roadmap, you know, with your temp effects, uh, you know, and from there we build upon it, you know, and make it bigger and better. Um, and I enjoy doing that. You know, it's, it's, it's a team effort when, when you make a movie, you know, it's not just one person. I mean, the director oversees and it's his vision, you know, but it's, uh, our vision to make it better and to bring it a step up. Absolutely. Well, speaking of now, kind of, kind of talking about, you know, uh, collaborating um, and, you know, kind of working with editorial uh, and the process. I mean, can you give us some insight into that process? What, what is the sound department? I mean, like, you know, you have a, you know, a supervising sound editor, sound designer, dialogue editor. I mean, you have, I mean, I've, I've been in those, you know, in, in the, in the rooms, you know, in, in, on the, on the stage. And it's like a, like a, you think like it's like a spaceship, right? Everyone oh, has like a little station over here. It's yes. like, what does everyone, there's just machines or computers everywhere. And you're like, what does everyone do? Can you give us insight into the, the sound department what does it consist of okay well you start let's start off with the supervising sound editor who is uh the liaison between the director the picture editor and the sound crew you know uh, i oversee everything and um in part you know give them my vision of what i think we should do um and if it's possible, you know, because sometimes directors don't know how to communicate, you know, with sound, you know, they try to describe something um, and I help them out with that, you know. Um, and then in turn, I go to my crew, you know, I tell the dialogue editor what he needs to do, what he needs to focus on. I tell the ADR editor, you know, and that's a, a dialogue that has to be replaced or enhanced, you know, for either performance or technical reasons. And they also handle group, which is, you know, uh, uh, sort of like a sound effects with voices, you know, people walking in the street. Um, Because when you're on set, you know, you just want to keep it as clean as possible. You just want to hear the actors. You don't want to hear any traffic or anyone else talking that way you can manipulate, you can raise their voices uh, or lower without affecting their surroundings. And then you have uh, an effects editor who usually handles all the effects, you know, backgrounds, uh, sound effects of cars or explosions. And then you have a sound designer who is a little bit, you know, a step up from a sound editor who, uh, is a little bit more creative, you know, uh, with tones and creating a, a, a landscape of uh, tonal designs or, you know, something out of the box, like you mentioned before. Um, and then you have music, you know, uh, uh, which a lot of times works in part with sound design 
in effect, you know, you don't want them to clash. And then you have an assistant, you know, who's very important, uh, who's the glue to everybody, you know, it, it's to me and to my crew and even with the picture editor, you know, they're, they're on top of everything with versions and uh, um, keeping things up to date, you know, and can't forget the recordists, you know, you have a, a, a sound recordist, you know, for Foley and for ADR are also very important. How does everyone communicate and be on the same page uh, to make sure that uh, the director's ideas are being executed? It, it starts at the top with me and the assistant, you know, and keeping um, tabs with, you know, the picture editor and his assistant, you know, new versions come up. Uh, and also with the director too, you know, you start off with the director and, and get his insight. Um, but once that's done, you know, communication with the picture editor and his assistant's key, you know, um, new versions may come up, ideas, you know, um, and if I have any questions, like uh, I, I would communicate with the picture editor and ask him, you know, uh, you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions, you know, because you don't want to show up at the stage and be like, well, I thought, you know, you wanted this, you know, it, it's it's too expensive and uh, you don't want to do that and, and you don't want to look Like, you don't know what you're doing. So uh, I always ask questions and make sure, you know, double check. Can you explain what the difference is between sound editing and sound mixing? Sound editing, you take sounds and you cut them to picture, you know, so you'll take specific sounds, you know, a car chase or a car crash, um, a space battle, uh, um gunshots, you know, um, even dialogue editing. And you cut it, you clean it up. Um, and sound mixing is uh, you take all those elements and you combine them. You know, you, you put them in the environment. You know, uh, uh, you pan them. You make them sound like they're really there. Um, I, I, I like to look at it like uh, you're a chef. You know, we prep the ingredients, you know, we cut the vegetables, we prep the chicken, you know, and then the mixer's the, the cook. So he'll take all our vegetables and our chicken and our rice and he'll, you know, cook it and, and make a meal. Yeah. I mean, the other day I was doing some temp work on one of my, one of my episodes. I was doing uh, some some temp scoring and temp sound design. For me. <clears throat> and I was, you know, isolating tracks, right? I was isolating the score to kind of focus on that and isolating the sound, the, the, the effects. And things were working out when I was isolating stuff. And then when I put everything together, it's like, wait a minute, that's not how it sounded, you know, once in the, yeah. the mix, the full mix, right? And they're like, oh, wait, that's not what, not, you know, it doesn't sound right. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's like, that's, I think, you know, perfect example, right? It's like one, you, sure, you can have individual individual ingredients yeah. and they might work uh okay uh just i being isolated but then when you put it all together you're like wait a minute yeah when they come together they don't work necessarily yeah. right or so you have to make adjustments yeah adjustments choices you know um there, there are a lot of times where you know especially you know with ron howard you know uh you'll have a big music moment 
you know, and I've cut a bunch of effects and none of the effects are used. You know, he doesn't want them in there. He doesn't want them to interfere with the music, let the music take the moment. But then there are other times where, you know, he'll say lower the music. Let's hear more of uh, the effects. Let's hear the punches or, you know, the carbide. Um, so, yeah, it's all about choices and, and, you know, nothing's really wrong. You know, it, it's how you feel at the moment, you know, what you want to hear, what you want to focus on. You know, it's all there uh, in the event that uh, he wants to go one way or the other. You know, you have to prepare everything regardless. You know, you don't want to show up to the stage and, hey, can, you know, we take out the music and hear all the effects. And you're like, uh, I thought it was just going to be music here. You know, so you prepare prepare everything and, and you make the choice on the stage. Why is sound so important to the movie going experience? I mean, it is, it is I would say, 50% of it. Yeah, totally. It's 50%. Sound can be a, a, a character in the movie also. You know, you can create a world with sound, you know, to help tell the story. You know, uh, uh, sometimes... You know, especially with like uh, low budget filmmakers or 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 even, you know, big budgets, they forget things or weren't able to grab things. And, you know, they want sound to fix it, you know, to help tell that story, to help uh, uh, sell it, you know. And um, Jim Jarmusch is a, 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 one of my favorite filmmakers. I've done a few films with him and and he loves the story behind what's going on screen, you know, like the world, you know, uh, uh, outside of what you're seeing, you know, uh, a dog bark, you know, there, there's a, a dog barking outside, you know, or there's a lot of traffic, you know, depending on where it is, if it's in Harlem, New York city, you know, you want to hear the buses and the manholes and uh, uh, the people talking in the street. You know, not necessarily seeing them, you know, if they're in an apartment, you know, with a window, you want to hear all that stuff. Uh, so you create a world within that world, you know, just to make it real and to help sell things. And, and you also use sound uh, uh, to create tension, you know, or to scare you, make, you know, jump scare or, uh, you know, make you feel something, you know happy or sad, you know, and, and it's all subconscious. Also, you know, you put a few birds here, you know, makes, makes it sound happy. You know, uh, you make it gritty and, and dirty, you know, could either be, you know, scared or uncomfortable, you know, uh, you put in tones to do that also, you know, like a rumble, or an eerie tone, you know. Uh, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's so many things you can do. It's the sound um, to create that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, for example, as an editor, when sometimes I need help, when I can't make something a cut work, my, my first go-to is like, how can I smooth this out with sound? You know, as, as picture-wise, I might not be able feel comfortable with that cut, but I, but I feel good about it enough where I'm like, you know, I'm going to work do something with sound to help this cut and that's always my go-to and then like i and if i can't do it with sound then all right maybe you know what's maybe it doesn't work right but for me it's always like 
I if I can't make a cut work picture wise, I see how I can do it with sound. Yeah, I, I always encourage picture editors, you know, um, to give me a list of sounds they want. You know, and I also tell them, you know, like in your case, if you ever get caught in a boat like that, in a position like that, you know, send me the scene. You know, let me cut you something. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I sometimes don't like temp love. You know, picture editors cut something in there and, and it's not necessarily the right sound but they fall in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I try to make it better and they're like, you know what? Let's use what's in the avid. Cause you, yeah, you, you, cause you fall in love with it, right? You hear it so many times. Yeah. It's like, well, exactly. that's the thing. Get used to it, you know, and sometimes they'll send that to a, uh, a screening, you know, and once it gets a laugh or, it, it, you know, portrays the emotion that you want, it stays in regardless. You know, it could be the worst sound in the world and, you know, it got a laugh, so it has to stay in. You know, when, you, when you're working on an episode, for example, or a film, and you're listening to your cut or to your, you know, to your temp mix as an editor, yeah. you're listening to, for, you know, for I don't know how, how many times you're in this, in a certain room, certain monitors. I mean, like you're, yeah. it's probably not the right environment and the right uh, equipment, yeah. but you, you get conditioned to it. Right. So then when you go to the stage yeah. where it is now done by professionals and it's the right environment, everything, it's like, Oh man, I, I don't know. It seems weird, but it's just, that's just how it is. I mean, it's just like you get conditioned, your ears are conditioned to a certain. Yeah environment sounds and whatnot so it's always yeah. it's just interesting how that works and it's it's always a challenge to let go of that temp because it's yeah. you're just used it, to it. especially with directors you know they come onto the stage and you know it, it's a new world you know it, it's it's they're hearing things they've never heard before you know and even with the dialogue you know you clean it up and you're like, I didn't know he said that. He said, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I never heard that before. He said it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it was just, you know, buried, the other buried mic or buried, you know. Uh, and then, you know, you, you add new music and new sound. Of, it, it's overwhelming. You know, uh, a lot of times I have the director come in after we premix. You know, let, let us get our pass and get it in the pocket. Because uh, if you walk in and you hear all of that, you know, it scares some people. You know, they're like, oh, my God, no, it's too much. You know, it, it, that, that's just a lot. Do we need all that? You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, we do. You know, but right now it's not level. You know, it, it's the backgrounds are too loud or, you know, the music's not in right, you know, or we got to put stuff in the rear speakers. You know, th there's a lot to do. And once we get it, in the pocket, come in and then, you know, make your choice, but let us do our past and let us, you know, uh, uh, get our vision to show you or get it ready to show you and, uh, then, then make the choice. How do you then communicate with editorial? Can you talk about that relationship with the sound department editorial? Um, and maybe, um, just kind of give us some, some insight into that kind of relationship. And how you communicate and, and maybe also give some advice and to say editors and how to communicate with the sound department? Uh, well, you know, always keep it open. Always ask questions. You know, uh, uh, like I said before, never assume anything. You know, if there's a piece of dialogue missing, don't think that it's not there. You know, you see their lips flapping. 
but there's no sound attached to it. You know, don't leave it like that. You know, uh, uh, call up the picture editor or call up me and I'll communicate with the picture editor and say, hey, look, is there any dialogue there? I see lips moving, you know, uh, but we don't hear anything. You know, maybe something got lost, you know, uh, in the transfer from picture to sound, which sometimes happens. Uh, I tell my my uh, sound editors the same thing, you know, uh, I, I let them do their cut. But uh, I also, you know, give them a list from when I spotted with the director and the picture editor. Hey, make sure you hit these points. You know, these things are important. This is what, you know, they asked for. You know, once you get your stuff out of the way, you know, doors and carbides and backgrounds, you know, hit these points. Uh, and then I'll take a listen to them and, and you know, make this bigger, make it smaller, you know, give me more, you know, uh, I'll put in my two cents before it goes on to the stage. Um, and same thing with, you know, ADR, you know, uh, I would have ADR contact the dialogue editor beforehand if there's time you know because a a lot of times you know schedules are truncated and there's no time to ask the dialogue editor to check on something you know he's busy enough cutting you know five reels in a couple weeks uh but normally i would have them you know before we do any adr check out to see if they're alternate takes you know because that'll save some money and time you know uh uh and see, hey, look, you know, there's a bump on this word. Do you have another take with it clean? And just pop it in. You know, you'd be amazed how much time and trouble is saved. You know, you don't have to bring the actor in. And, and you know, some actors aren't, don't, don't do well with ADR. You know, they can't get into the headspace or sync or performance. You know, so if you look for another take, they're already you know, in that mindset there. So it's easier to fit in, you know, um, uh, let's see, uh, music, it's its own animal. So, you know, music is usually, they, they stay in touch with you and the director. You know, I usually don't see music till I get on the stage unless, you know, I have a good relationship like with Hans Zimmer, you know, I'll send him my sound effects, once I'm done cutting it, you know, that way we're both on the same page and uh, we don't have to fight when we get to the stage, you know, he'll work around what I did with the sound or he'll incorporate some things that I've cut. Um, and it, it just makes a, a, a greater soundscape, you know, when we both work together and, and are able to hear both. You know, instead of fighting for which one gets heard, which one gets dropped, you know, so it's nice to have both. I always get asked a lot about uh, um, sound design, right? Because like I said, again, we do a lot of temp work, right? So and it's especially assistants asking me, you know, how can I become better at sound design? And, you know, they're always really asking for, for tips. Any, any kind of quick tips that you can give us, give the audience as far as like how to be create better temp sound as far as like adding effects, you know, an EQ or whatever, just kind of technical advice that'll make us create better temp uh, sound design. All sound starts with the library. Make sure you have a good library. 
you know, get as many sounds as he can. I mean, you can never have too many sounds. Uh, if he can, go out and record stuff. You know, uh, um, don't be afraid to combine things. You know, uh, you just don't need one sound, you know, uh, especially like a door close. You know, some people use one door close, you know. Uh, and sometimes you hear that door close and you're like, hey, I know that door close, you know. But when you combine it with another door close or, you know, a nice low end hit or, you know, even with a slam, I mean, you know, uh, you could have somebody hitting a wall instead of a, a, or combine that with a door hit, you know, just to give it uh, a uniqueness, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, I enjoy, you know, combining sounds and, and making things original. Uh, and I also enjoy when I have the time to go out and record stuff. You know, sometimes you hear a good door, you hear a good walla, or you're like, oh, I got to get my recorder, come out and record that, you know. Um, birds, you know. Uh, um, one, one of the nice things, well, not about the pandemic, but, you know, uh, it was quiet. So I was able to go out and record, you know, backgrounds with no cars, no people. You know, just a, a nice air, nice winds. I didn't have to worry about a car by because sometimes, you know, when you record things like that, you have to go to the desert, you know, because uh, you don't have any people or cars or planes, you know. And, and with the pandemic, I was just able to go out to my backyard and do that. You know, get some nice clean sounds. Going back to what you're saying about you know uh, layering sounds, yeah, I certainly do that. I like to to you know say uh, create uh, atmospheres or like say say a song is playing yeah. out of a jukebox in a bar. Well, maybe take the track into you know, the song, add some reverb to one layer, and then the other one EQ it differently. Yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I just try different things, and then you just move stuff around until you kind of get that yeah. kind of you know mood or whatever feel it from it and or also like you know uh adding low-end hits to add that kind of yeah. you know oomph to, to certain to door close or gunshots that's one thing i've learned i i saw i saw at the stage i remember one time where they took my where they took my episode and um they were they were they're uh putting sound under under gunshots but they took out one layer and it was just kind of like these kind of low-end synth hits yeah like thumpers thumpers on top yeah. or under the actual gunshot yeah. and it's just like Oh yeah. man, that's it's it's just like I I mean I I geek out on sound so I was like yeah. it's amazing nice balls you know <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. but stuff like that and also um you know I carry around my Zoom recorder with me like in my yeah. backpack or even you know with the phone out honestly like yeah. sometimes I'll be at a restaurant or like you know whatever like anywhere outside yeah. on a hike I'll just record just because I can and yeah. you never know when I can use it and a oh, temp, totally. you know. I love it. Hey, hey, Danny, I don't want to, I mean, I know you're busy. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, anyone that wants to do what you do or that wants to do work in sound, what advice can you give to those people wanting to break in uh, to that area of post-production? Be patient. You know, uh, um, I found that this industry, it's all about timing and patience and persistence. Things happen with timing, you know, 
where you have to stay on top of things, you know, because there, there could be a moment where, you know, I need an editor, you know, my, my, the guy I usually work with, he's on something else, you know, and if you just happen to call me at that time that you're looking for work, you know, I'll be like, Hey, <laughs> you know, great timing, you know, um, and, and uh, constantly work on your craft, you know, do low budget things, just, just cut, you know, it, it, it's everything evolves, you know, you, you have programs and plugins and, and just play, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance and think out of the box. You know, like I said, nothing's really wrong. You know, uh, uh, they might not like things, but doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. I mean, you take a chance and, you know, swing and a miss or, you know, swing and you got a home run. Make sounds interesting. You know, don't just when you cut, you know, if there's a background, uh, 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 try and create moments, you know, cars go by, you know, then it's silent. You know, you, you, you want to have your peaks and your valleys, you know, you don't want a constant wall of sound, you know, and then you got a gunshot and the gunshots are important now where, you know, you have your sounds and then just before the gunshot, you dip to silence or you lower the sound. That way, when the gunshot happens, you have a bigger impact. Don't be afraid. Go out, ask around, ask questions. How important is is networking, say, for someone who wants to break into, say, doing sound? I mean, because I encourage people, you know, as far as editing, I'm like, you know, I encourage networking and, you know, establishing relationships. Is it, is it the same kind of process, would you say? Yeah, it, it's the same. It's a, a fine line. You know, uh, you don't want to be annoying, you know, calling, you know, every other day or every week, you know, Hey, you got anything for me? You know, is there anything available? Yeah. Uh, even though it is timing, you know, uh, uh, it's also a chance. I mean, call every month, but check in, do not, not check in, stay in touch, try and uh, broaden your network, try and speak to as many people as you can, uh, try and speak to the right people, you know, assistants are very good to know, you know, they're, they're the first ones to know they can direct you supervisors, you know, even though they're busy, uh, um, they might not be able to help you as much as let's say an assistant would, you know, an assistant could give you insight and heads up. Hey, look, I got a job coming. We might need people, you know, uh, or, Hey, look, I got a job starting, contact a supervisor. Go to studios or facilities, you know, um, ask them for work. Not necessarily editorial work, because that's how I started off. I, I, when I graduated, I thought I was going to become an editor, you know, right away. I'm like, yeah, you know, I cut a few uh, uh, low-budget features and a few shorts. So I thought I was pretty much hot shit. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily need to work as an editor, but, you know, you can start off in the mailroom and network that way, get to meet people, maybe do an apprenticeship or, you know, help someone out for free. That way they could see your skills. You could learn skills. They could teach you things. I mean, uh, uh, unfortunately in sound, I don't think we have apprenticeships anymore. You know, uh, I started off with an apprenticeship. Um, uh, but I, I, I tell people that, that stop by, you know, my door is always open. If you want to come in and watch me work, 
sit behind me, ask questions. Uh, you know, my door's open. So, uh, it, you know, not people off the street, but, you know, people working, you know, in a facility. More people you probably established a relationship with. And yeah. it's not just anyone. Hey, come on in. <laughs> yeah, you know. Hey, you, you want to work in sound? No. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't, doesn't quite work that way. But that's why it's so important to, to, again, you know, establish relationships, get to know people. Because um, there's certain people like you, they're out there who are willing to help out. And, and have people come in and shadow and, you know, and that's yeah. great that you're, you are one of those people that are helping that next generation of, of, of say sound editors, sound designers yeah. and people who want to work in sound. That's awesome. So that's great. It's great to hear Danny. Uh, Danny, uh, any, any other, uh, any cool projects right now you're working on or stuff, recent stuff that you worked on people can check out, check out your work. Uh, I'm currently working on genius Aretha Franklin, uh, which I think it's going to air in March. And it's amazing. And uh, uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to start mixing a film next week for Blumhouse uh, with an uh, uh, amazing director who is up and coming, uh, Ryan Zaragoza. Uh, he's, he's great and it's a horror film. And uh, uh, it's called Madres. So uh, that that I'm currently finishing now, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to the mix stage and putting everything together. Uh, the Genius Aretha Franklin is a dual or bicoastal, so I'm cutting everything here and shipping it to New York, and they're mixing it in New York. Um, so uh, I'm not as hands-on on on uh, this season. The last two seasons, I was on the mix stage and. Uh, but this one they're they're doing in New York, um, and let's see what else. Uh, I'm gonna start hopefully in a couple months uh, raising Dion for Netflix, the second season, which I'm looking forward to. That uh, that's sort of like a, a child superhero. Um, so that should be fun doing uh, cutting effects and supervising that. Um, and also, I'm um, doing Reagan, a film about Ronald Reagan with uh, the director from Soul Surfer that I supervised many years back. Um, yeah, it, it, it's that's, you know, like you said, you network, you develop relationships and, you know, uh, you're only as good as your last film. So hopefully, you know, on their next one, they'll call you back <laughs> that's always a always keep our fingers crossed right <laughs> you know yeah you know things happen like like i said timing you know i could be on something else exactly you know and uh, i would have to turn it down i mean that's a big one the, the schedules and timing yeah uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and I, I hate that yeah <laughs> you know because it's like geez you know it it's not that i feel insecure but, you know, if you have to turn something down and someone else has to take it over, I worry, you know, it's, are they going to be, you know, are they going to give it 110%? You know, I mean, even though, you know, he's my client, I, I don't want the film to do bad or I don't want him to have a hard time, you know, the director meeting. Uh, um, I like things to go smoothly. So, you know, even though I'm, I'm on something else, I 
whoever's supervising, you know, my door's open, my phone's available, you know, feel free to call me, ask me questions, you know, if you need any insights or help or, you know, uh, uh, questions answered, feel, feel free to contact me and, you know, um, I, I, I don't want things to become difficult or, or, you know, the director should just feel free and focus on the movie as if I was on it, you know? Um, but, but yeah, you know, so, so yeah, you know, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, 2021 will be a lot better than 2020. Yeah. So we're all hoping for, yeah. <laughs> uh, it certainly will be. Um, and so, but thank you, Danny, Danny Pagan uh, for being here, being on the Hollywood editing mentor podcast. I'm, I'm glad that we got to do it and, and, and great to meet you. We've been talking Same for now for a while. It's finally know. great to see your face and actually have a chat and uh, I hope we can do it in person uh, sometime soon yeah. and maybe even work together. Yeah, hopefully, you know, it, it's, uh, and like I said, you know, it, it, the invitation's open to you too. You need anything, you know, uh, feel free to call me, you know, you need effects or you can't find something, you know, my library's open to you. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll start a, a nice relationship from here. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that, Danny. Uh, and, and definitely we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I always look, I'm always looking for a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But uh, thanks again, Danny. I uh, wish you the best with all your projects. Certainly some cool stuff you're working on. Good luck with everything and have an excellent 2021. Thank you. You too. Great to get some insight into the sound department from supervising sound editor Danny Pagan. I appreciate his tips on creating uh, better sound design and also his advice for those trying to break in to feature film sound. So thank you, Danny Pagan, for being on the show. And thank you for listening to episode 14 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and colleagues or anyone you know that's interested in learning more about sound in feature films. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. I'll see you next time. <laughs>